This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, lend me your ears because despite the fact that the show is late, it is not canceled. We're on the precipice of a political demonstration with none other. Main star of our circus center ring is none other than the Sunshine State's chief juggler, Governor Ron DeSantis. Last few months have been a Bit of a roller coaster on the midway for old Ron. Once riding high in the polls, a persistent pressure campaign by former President Donald Trump has seen his numbers take a tumble. From the dizzying heights of 30%, DeSantis has dropped a full 10 in the real clear politics average. Is that just a swing of the trapeze followed by an ascent? Or a tumble to the dirt without a net? Well, we're gonna know soon. As the final gavel falls on the Florida legislative session, we're starting to see the silhouette of a campaign shape. A whisper here, a hint there, and suddenly, folks, we got ourselves a full-blown narrative. The story began in the heartland of the United States, Iowa, a state that often serves as the launching pad for presidential aspirations, but I don't need to tell you that. Ron DeSantis, this weekend, had what horse race lunatics like me might even call a star turn, doing possibly irreparable harm to the term star. And then there's the money. Oh, the sweet, sweet smell of campaign cash. DeSantis has been prepping his financial war chest and indeed has called his top backers to Miami for a meet and greet. The dates are set, the invites are out, and if the rumors are true, this could be the green flag. Ron's presidential bid to officially begin. And let's not forget, potential staff shuffling, the idea that Ron's political organization could be moving into new headquarters in Tallahassee that would require him to be running. Oh, friends, we are within days of this, not weeks. So here is what we're going to tackle on this show today. Is a Trump humiliation in Iowa a fluke or a sign of things to come considering DeSantis capitalized on? And can Trump beat Ron on policies by moving to the left? It happened in 2016, but now Trump runs the party. So... If you move to the left of yourself, are you just moving left? Get your tickets torn and find your seat. The lights are going down and it's about to be showtime. For Dog and Pony Show Audio, I'm Justin Robert Young and this is Politics, Politics, Politics. We must reject the culture of losing that has infected our party in recent years. The time for excuses is over. 
We got to demonstrate the courage to lead and the strength to win. That is Ron DeSantis this weekend in Iowa on a bit of a cross-city tour. He wasn't supposed to be alone. No, no, no. Donald Trump was supposed to be in Iowa. And just a little bit of a step back here. This is a tell for Trump campaigning. He will actively glom on to the person for whom he views as the biggest threat. It's one of the things that struck me about Trump's town hall on CNN. He barely mentioned DeSantis and he went after Biden more. I think if I'm going to psychoanalyze Big Chungus, that is a sign that he believes DeSantis is dead in the water. And whatever he does in terms of his launch is not going to really matter much. But this weekend, it felt like he did view DeSantis as a threat because he did the thing that Trump does when he wants attention. During the Democratic primary in 2020, before COVID shut it down, Trump made sure to do a rally in each state before the opposition party voted. Each time, his crowd was bigger than any crowd gathered for a Democratic candidate. Nah, well, maybe. There was one Bernie rally in New Hampshire that might have been bigger. I'm not sure. But that one was also a Strokes concert. They played the song New York City Cops. It was on their most famous album, but they had to take it off because 9-11 happened and everybody loved cops, but the Strokes didn't love cops, and so every once in a while they play it live, and so they played it live at the event. Anywho, Trump's discipline in laying off DeSantis during the CNN town hall Seemed to be at an end. He wanted to crush puny Ron in corn country by holding a big old rally in Des Moines as DeSantis Chris crossed the state. A funny thing happened along the way. Trump canceled this from Truth Social. Quote, Unfortunately, due to the tornado warnings in Des Moines, we are forced to cancel today's outdoor rally at the Laudrezen Amphitheater. Apologies to all the native Iowa. Stay tuned, we'll reschedule soon. Be safe out there. This was eight hours before the event, and DeSantis surrogates on Twitter gleefully retweeted pictures of the sparse early crowd, insinuating that the event was not canceled for weather reasons, but rather because of low turnout, using one of Trump's favorite bellwethers against him. Here's my take. I do buy the idea that this was not canceled because of weather. There does seem to be enough out in the ether to suggest that this was not a tornado warning. It might have been raining, but that hasn't stopped Trump in the past from doing rallies. He did one in Pennsylvania during the primary that was absolutely soggy when he brought out Dr. Oz. My take? This was Tulsa. It was a poorly organized event that overshot what they thought they could get crowd-wise, and they got caught. The Trump team is disorganized. They're prone to lapses. This has been a constant. Who knows how this one got screwed up? But look, 
So far, the lone poll in Iowa has Trump up by 18. He's done plenty of events there before. I don't think that this is necessarily a death knell for him. I don't think that it's quite as big of a deal as DeSantis world would make you believe. But I do think something that you can take from this is that MAGA world is still messy. And lo and behold, it was Ron DeSantis making an unscheduled trip to Jethro's Barbecue in Des Moines at around 9.15. The same time Donald Trump would likely have been on stage. Oh, so let's understand this. DeSantis starts his Iowa trip in Des Moines, flies to Cedar Rapids, does another event there. That's all that's on his schedule. And then, possibly because Trump cancels, who knows? We just know that it wasn't on the schedule before. He goes back to a Des Moines restaurant So he can gloat. Look who showed up. Not only all the diners to Jethro's, but your boy, Ron DeSantis. I'm not sure if being on Ozempic allows you to eat barbecue, but according to Yelp, the uh, uh, Des Moines melt and the pork tenderloin are the specialties at Jethro's, considering I'll probably be in Iowa a few more times before the caucus there, that's something I'm filing away personally. But possibly, for the first time in this race, the order up from the kitchen of DeSantis 2024 was two heaping helpings of suck it. Trump stumbled, Ron capitalized. But here's the question. Is this a sign of things to come? Or is it just a bad weekend by Trump that DeSantis was agile enough to capitalize on? Well, that's not all that we have to focus on. Not only are the gears very obviously turning for DeSantis to launch his campaign, as no, I like to focus a lot on that. It, It tells me a lot about the organization that is about to roll out there, just in the same way that every basketball coach should be judged and every football coach should be judged by the decisions they make coming out of a timeout because they have time to think. We'll see that. But also, we're beginning to see emerging policy differences between DeSantis and Trump. Most interestingly, the topic many believe helped spell doom for the red wave in 2022, abortion. We go through all the details right after this. This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go to support this program. For a very, very, very mild weekly fee of $3, about the cost of a cup of coffee, and you in your car, 
Let's buy me one cup of coffee each week. And I spend twice the amount of episodes with you discussing the politics that you care about the most in a way that you can't get anywhere else. Baby, it only happens at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $1 fee gets you a ad-free feed. And let me tell you, the political ads are coming. I've opted into all of them <laughs> on our ad platform. They're like, like, even the crazy ones? Yup. As long as the money, as long as the check clears, they're going in on this feed. $1 stops that. $1 a week. It's even less. That's a thimble of coffee. Then, of course, we got bonus stuff there for you. If you want to head on over, it's takepoliticsseriously.com. The Durham report is out. The Snyder Cut for MAGA World has finally been released. And much like the Snyder Cut, it is probably more explosive than you would have thought. Well, better than you would have thought, but ultimately probably fruitless. If you are unaware, the Durham report was a review of the FBI's behavior during what is referred to as Crossfire Hurricane, a.k.a. Russia, 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 from the lips of Donald Trump. Basically, the idea that Donald Trump was in league with Russia. That's the Steele dossier and everything that goes along with it. And this has been heralded by Republicans as something that is a very big deal that would totally reverse the narrative. Now, it has been overshadowed by the fact that Durham brought criminal charges against two people and two people were not sentenced. They did not face penalties for it. One person did plead guilty. But still... The idea that lawyers and FBI agents were able to technically stay on the right side of the law in a very soft world of whether or not something is just bad behavior or illegal does not particularly surprise me. I would encourage everybody to read the executive summary of the Durham report. It's not that long. It's a couple pages. and Half the pages are footnotes. But read it directly instead of reading news coverage of it, because I do think that it's, it's, uh, uh, it, is, it is worth reading. And when you do read it, I think you might come to the same conclusion that I did. There was no case to the idea that Donald Trump was a plant from Russia. The Steele dossier is something that if we are paying the amount of money that we are paying into our intelligence agencies and we are allowing them the kind of privileges that they have to investigate us, there has to have been better safeguards in place to move this kind of stuff forward. There's no doubt that a lot of this stuff was coordinated specifically through the law firm Perkins Coey and its client, the DNC, to make this a political issue. The Durham report goes one step further and says that the FBI did not have the same gung-ho attitude about investigating specious leads when it came to elements of the Clinton campaign. The larger moral of this story is something that I think has already been baked in. There was political animus against Donald Trump in the FBI. Can you 
say that that was either wishful thinking that they were finding various different super sketchy pieces of information to run with a investigation on because they assumed there was definitely going to be more on the other side or was this an out and out political hit job against somebody that they politically disagreed with well that's up to you the Durham report does not spell that out in specific probably to the level in which Republicans or MAGA specifically would like to Here is what is done in my mind forever. Donald Trump does not have any connections to Russia and any any more than anybody else does in politics. And any suggestion of that is at best wishful thinking and at worst rank political hit jobs. Let's move to the Biden administration and their debt ceiling debates. I told the friends of ours that are on our Patreon at the $3 level in our Monday episode, watch to see who starts complaining as we get closer to the drop deadline on these negotiations. And specifically, look on the Democratic side, who starts complaining, because it looks like Biden's negotiating And that means that Democrats are going to get mad. Who gets mad and how mad do they get? Well, we got an answer here for you. Here's what Biden wants in this negotiation. That the GOP drops its efforts to roll back parts of Biden's key legislative accomplishments like the Inflation Reduction Act, as well as take student debt relief off the table. Number two, to limit any spending caps to as little as two years. All right, so he's possible on a spending cap and three that the debt ceiling extension lasts at least two years aka i don't want to do this again before the election now here right now according to political playbook this is what he's willing to give up he's willing to accept discretionary spending caps throughout the remainder of his term He is willing to, quote, claw back billions of dollars in pandemic aid once seen as critical to his agenda. So that's don't gut my agenda, gut the way I'm possibly funding some of my agenda. And number three, possible restrictions on certain safety net programs. It's the last part that got somebody mad enough to talk to the press. Quote, we did not elect Joe Biden of 1986, said Representative Pramila Jayapal, the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. We elected Joe Biden of 2020. Now, this is what got her mad. They have fought for years to fend off new restrictions on eligibility for programs such as SNAP, HAMP, and Medicaid. And Biden, who, by the way, said all this in idle musings during a informal hub with a... Uh, uh, reporters on Rehoboth Beach. She said that adding work requirements to SNAP, quote, is an absolutely terrible idea and a non-starter for many of us across the Democratic caucus. Oh. McCarthy, by the way, is not giving an inch on this, despite the fact that Biden 
seemed a little rosy while talking to reporters on his bike. He stayed upright. McCarthy said they are very far away and that Joe Biden plans to spend eight of the remaining days they have to negotiate this abroad. Take a look at all this. This is all very, very, very interesting. Up to and including the fact that Joe Biden says they are not negotiating the debt ceiling. They are negotiating the budget that, you know, technically involves the debt ceiling a little bit. One final update, Jim Acosta reporting that Rick Perry, former governor of Texas, is looking to throw his cowboy hat into the ring. The former presidential candidate, the former Dancing with the Stars contestant, and the reason that we can play this clip. It's three agencies of government when I get there that are gone. Commerce, education, and the, um, uh, what's the third one there? Let's see. EPA? EPA, there you go. No, okay. Let's talk, let's talk deposition. Seriously? Is EPA the one you were talking about? Or? No, sir. You that. can't name the third one? The third agency of government, yeah. I, would, I would do away with the education, uh, the uh, <laughs> commerce. I, I, commerce, and let's see, I can't. The third one, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. That is Rick Perry in 2011, forgetting the third agency that he would eliminate if he were president, which, spoiler alert, for the 2012 election, he did not reach that office. Boy, love something in your life as much as politicians love running for office. That's all I'd ask of you. Live a fulfilling life. Love something. Need something. Like politicians need to run for office. Well, here's one thing that you won't forget. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. It's how you support this show. It's how you get the bonus episodes. It's how you get your name read at the end of the show. It's how you get an ad-free feed. Guys, we've seen an uptick. Folks subscribing to the $3 level, getting that bonus content. Now's the time to do it, friends. Take politicsseriously.com. Back to the show. I want to read from an interview done by friend of the PX3 podcast, Mark Caputo, now of the debuting the Messenger platform. Along with the debut, he interviewed Donald Trump for a half hour. It's an interesting transcript to read. And we're going to do part of it here. Caputo, DeSantis signed a six-week abortion restriction in Florida. Do you think he was right to do that? Trump. Well, he has to do what he has to do. If you look at what DeSantis did, a lot of people don't even know if he knew what he was doing. But he signed six weeks, and many people within the pro-life movement feel that that was too harsh. Pudo, what do you think? Was it too harsh for you? Trump, I'm looking at all alternatives. I'm looking at many alternatives. But I was able to get us to the table by terminating Roe versus Wade. 
What's the most important thing that's ever happened for the pro-life movement? Caputo, would you sign a six-week abortion ban or not? Trump, I'm looking at all options. Now, this mirrors what Trump said during his CNN town hall. He wants credit for ending Roe versus Wade, which technically happened under Biden, but I don't think that Joe will mind Don taking this one. But he will not say where he stands on the two key policy issues, whether or not he believes abortion is either a federal or state issue or what level of restriction he is for in terms of weeks. DeSantis answered back to Trump's point of view this Tuesday. This is again from The Messenger. As he prepares to challenge Donald Trump in the Republican presidential primary, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Tuesday disputed the former president's claim that many anti-abortion activists felt a new six-week abortion ban DeSantis signed was, quote, too harsh. Quote DeSantis, protecting an unborn child when there is a detectable heartbeat is something that 99% of pro-lifers support. I signed the bill. I was proud to do it. He won't answer whether he'd sign it or not. In reality, the pro-life crowd has always looked at Trump as a bit of a shaky ally, in my opinion. At some point, you can't blame him. He's a New York City playboy with many kids from different women. Not exactly the perfect standard bearer for the every life is precious crowd. I remember speaking to an evangelical leaning poll who watched Trump's early presidency very closely during 2016. He was specifically looking at various different policy issues to see whether or not Trump would waver. And, to his relief, he didn't. But, reporting suggests that Trump hates what the GOP did after Roe was overturned. He believes that hardline pro-life stances hurt the party in 2022. Which is funny, because many in the party believe that Trump hurt the party in 2022. And so we have a difference of opinion. One in which voters for whom pro-life decisions are very important, hint, hint, evangelicals, hint, hint, Iowa, could be more favorable to DeSantis on this issue unless Trump matches him. Again, from The Messenger. I would not say that many in the pro-life community think that that is too harsh. This is the legislation we want, says Steve Scheffler, an Iowa evangelical leader and Republican National Committee man, speaking of a six-week heartbeat bill, which is the law in both Iowa and Florida. I'm not sure what Trump is referring to, Scheffler added. Now, look, guys. I feel like every week that we talk about Ron DeSantis, especially since his campaign, nascent though it might be, seems to at this moment be a total abject failure if you are looking only at the polls. And trust me, Donald Trump will remind you that you should only look at the polls. That I tend to fantasy book for Ron DeSantis. (laughs) I tend to want to theorize or suggest ways in which this could be a closer race because folks I mean a lot of other media people will lie to you and they'll say well I'm just covering this and 
I just need, you know, I'm just seeing the facts on the ground and that's what we're doing. No, 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 no. I need drama. I'm an action junkie. I wait four years for these things and I need for people to trade paint. I need for there to be at least some kind of tactics to discuss. Otherwise, I'll be left a sad husk. You guys heard me in 2020. As soon as COVID came in and ruined the fact that I was traveling around to all these events, I've never been more depressed in my life. If we wait for years and this is an absolute coronation on both sides, I don't know what I'll do. So I do want this to be close. I need this to be close. So without further ado, here is my fantasy booking for Ron DeSantis talking points for the week of May 17, 2023. I'll write this in my journal. Don talks, Ron does. Don talks about going to Iowa, Ron does. Don talks about broken elections and how he'd fix them, Ron does. Don talks about being pro-life, Ron does. Don talks about the corporations that are poisoning your children with woke messaging. Ron does. Don talks about hiring all the best people, the people that will put the laws that his voters want into play, that will follow through on the message that he has electrified them with, that will book a correct rally in Iowa. Ron does. Justin Robert Young's base desire to have something to talk about over the next year has approved this message. Look, I see a lane for DeSantis here. I do. And we're going to find out whether or not he is going to go head-to-head with Trump because I do believe that all roads lead through Chungus. Either you are going after him or you are wasting time and money. You might as well just be another little remora fish that that swims on up to Mar-a-Lago so you can suckle. But we do know that an announcement is coming soon. This from Politico. Ron DeSantis has summoned top financial backers to Miami next week in what is the latest indication that the Florida governor is on the precipice of launching his long-awaited presidential campaign. The invitations, which were described by two people familiar with the discussions, request that donors be present from May 24th to 26th. By law, DeSantis cannot directly receive or solicit contributions for a presidential campaign unless he has formally launched his bid. Now, this has also happened at the same time that there's another story that there are new headquarters ready to be moved into by his team but they cannot do that until he has announced. I assume that all these are leaked. I assume that this is the drumbeat. I assume that we are going to get a presidential announcement soon. That means the spotlight is on Ron. And if we do not see meaningful change in the polls in the month that happens after that, then this isn't a contest. 
course, as I've said before, and I will say again, until the moment that it invariably happens, this primary race has not begun until DeSantis's top howitzer, Christina Peshaw, at replies, the most on Twitter member of the Trump family, Donald Trump Jr. We are counting down the days. Politics, politics, politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you'd like to email the show, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. And by the way, a little call to action here. Number one, if you have the time and bandwidth to write a review, now is review season. Let's get into all the latest about 24, DeSantis and Trump and Biden, the Congress, anything that is new, because that's the problem with reviews in a news-driven medium like we are in is that reviews tend to look dated. And so if you go to, you know, the the podcatcher of your choice and you see, oh, a bunch of reviews, and then it's all like, uh, uh, Will, I hate Mayor Pete, stuff like that. It just looks like, you know, one of those yards in the neighborhood that has the old the old toys out there that are overgrown with weeds. It just It just doesn't look great. So if you have it in your heart, head on over to the podcatcher your choice, the Google Play Store, the Apple Podcast Store, and just leave us a review. I I know it's onerous. I know only a few of you will do it, but I don't ask often. I don't do this every single week. I, I, I will ask now, if you have it in your heart to do it, please and thank you. Again, you want to email the show. It is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. PX3 Tweets is how you follow the show. Justin R. Young is how you follow me. Follow me live on Twitch, px3live.com. And share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy at px3podcast.com. If you'd like to send me a one-time payment in the mail, it is paypal.me slash payjury, P-A-Y-J-U-R-Y. Venmo money is not real. Justin-Young-20 and our cash app is px3cash.com. You want to send me something in the mail? P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, that is Post Office Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. The only place you can get our bonus content is takepoliticsseriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Jason, Andrews, Matt, John Gross, C. Garcia, El Basso, Matthew D., John Craig, Potts, MC Dradio, Bugs Live, Kneemeister, Unsafe DB Level, Amanda, Yield Pinball Shop, DP4 Bungo, Catherine, Todd, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, EA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslanian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Dashing Debut, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is also 
Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, who loves Frank, got abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Gen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D. Really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, you want your name read on the show? Guys, just so simple. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. We got more coming to you this Friday, unsure what, (laughs) but it will exist. I guarantee you until then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics and still more discuss politics. This is the only show that dares discuss all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.